Can we please have a doctor to the front of the plane? Welcome, welcome, welcome to use Tanner's line to EM over easy. Um, I'm Andy Little, and I'm here with uh, Drew Cownow and Tanner Gronowski, and then we're joined with a special guest, Rob Lowe. Rob, it's good to have you with us. Thank you. If you're just going to steal my intro, I should have just brought us in. I, it was offered, <laughs> and it was put back at me that I could do it. So um, I think your intro works better than mine, where I'm just like, all right, real generic intro, welcome to Emo Easy. So today we've got, again, Rob Lowe with us, a uh, special uh, guest and, you know, one of our great, one of our great attendings. Um, he's worked, I worked, had the chance to work with him all four years, became a night doc a couple years ago, but we're not going to talk about that particular part of his life. Um, but today we're going to talk about something that I think all of us um, have either thought about or for me it's like the one thing that I dread when I travel and that is being a doctor on a plane when there's an emergency. Um, I can tell you that the three or four times that I've been on a plane when, when this has happened, I pray that there is somebody else there. There's always, there's always a dentist. There's always a dentist. <laughs> and there's almost always a physical therapist. I found that those two things, like, maybe we have too many of those in America that they're always on an airplane. But um, what do you guys think? you guys think, can we please have a doctor to the front of the plane? What, what goes through your mind? I think the first question is when you have the option to put a doctor on your ticket, do you or don't you? Personally, I do not. Um, that that probably more than anything gets to uh, the expectation of response. Like, so we always talk about is there a duty to respond or not? And and typically we would say legally in the U.S. there's not necessarily a duty to respond. I would say if you're going to check that box on your ticket, you're probably setting yourself up for a little bit more of a of a duty. Um, there's going to be a bigger question about why you didn't respond if you checked that. Yeah. I used to have the box checked when I first graduated from medical Same school because I was Same like, because oh, you were yeah, proud of I'm yourself. Yeah. Made it there. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it when I was like an intern and second year, like traveling, and I'm like, I'm really not ready to handle anything up here right now, so I don't want that to be known. Yeah, I never checked that box. <laughs> Even when I'm sitting on an airplane and you get that casual conversation, of, hey, what do you do? Yeah. Usually it's I work at a hospital. <laughs> Real vague. Yeah. Because <laughs> the last thing you want is your is your co-seat person to be like, he's a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, or or, or I big? spend a three-hour flight uh, consulting on you know. So I got this flight. rash. I'm like, yeah. What's this mole look like? And you're like a mole. I'll just say something like I'm in medicine or I do emergency medicine, but not specifically describe what in the field I do. I mean, I could just be the ER tech. Nobody knows. That is true. I've been on a plane with Drew where like this lady would not get like she would not get over what we do and she's like well, we, work in the, we work emergency medicine and she's like what is that well, I work like in the hospital well what part well like the emergency room and like she just would not and finally it was like we're both physicians it's okay and then she then she talked to us about her nature diet and like the way that she was trying to and this guy behind us and we're just like oh, this is why you don't bring up the fact that you're a doctor on an airplane yep. I got one word headphones is that one word that's one word that's one word it's, yeah that's, that's one word yeah. I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. It's like, is it too early? It, with, with or without a jack? Don't have an iPhone 7, so there's got to be a jack. All right. It passes the grammar test. I know. He was waiting for it. All right, so now that we've decided we don't put DO, MD, doctor, or whatever on our ticket, let's uh, let's get to the heart of some flight medicine. So what... Um, this is kind of your topic, your thing. When you think of an in-flight emergency, what, what's the most terrifying to you? You fly a lot. You're flying from Colorado to Ohio all the time. This has got to be on your mind. 
Yeah, it's actually been on my mind for a long time. It's kind of funny. I think I probably first got interested in this in the post 9-11 days because it's like that, oh, geez, what if, you yeah. know, kind of things happen. Yeah. Um, I was adding this up last night. I'm going to guess I'm on a plane a hundred times a year by the time you do connections and flights and things like that. Um, and so how frequent does it happen to me? I think maybe three times in the last 11 years. Um, so maybe once every 400, maybe 500 flights. Um, and if you look at some of the stuff that people have put out there, they say once in 600 flights or something like that. So it's not super frequent. Um, and most of them aren't super terrifying, but the you know the terrifying one's always going to be a delivery or a cardiac arrest. Or Delivery's terrifying no matter what. You yeah, can, I can be in the ER and I'm terrified of the delivery. Exactly. And Could you imagine the, the delivering a baby on a plane? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we can talk about what's in the kits, and that makes it even more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even allowed to have scissors on an airplane. I mean, like, there's nothing they got the court. Crazy about it. There is nothing. Don't they have plastic knives? Good luck. You're gonna cut. You're gonna cut a three vessel cord with a plastic knife. You're gonna cut it with something. (laughs) You're gonna make like Bear Grylls. Will like. You know what? If I have to jump for joy in his. I'll just have the mom chew it. (laughs) We'll have the mom chew it. Whatever. For a minute, you were just would bite it off. Are we? That was the worst thought. Are we cows? Wait a minute. Are we cows? You're gonna have her eat eat the placenta too, or works for cows, right? Jeez. So I mean, that would be the terrifying one, right? Yeah. Cardiac arrest. That's a. Yeah. That's not gonna be a fun place to work on. Well, I mean, not a lot of resources. Even even if you're running the the cardiac arrest, could you imagine doing that while the pilot's trying to, if they decide to land, and they're going to probably land extremely quickly. So now you have some potentially crazy flight patterns while you're doing compression. And, oh, well, God. and you've got rapid pressure change that you weren't counting on, and things that yeah, no, it's scary to say the least. Yeah. So let's talk about most common. Yeah, I mean, what, yeah. what's what's what, what? I mean, Rob, you've done it a couple times. Um, what, what's the what have you seen? I guess is probably so. My two events kind of mirror probably what you guys have experienced. Um, I've had two syncope events and one maybe pregnancy complication, maybe syncope. Uh, and if you look at a couple of different articles out there, syncope is the common thing. Um, that's probably the most common. Maybe. 35% or so of them, um, and then followed by typical medical stuff, so shortness of breath, chest pain, GI kind of stuff. Those are those are the common ones, which is not surprising when you think about the environment here, right? So you're a little yeah. bit lower pressure, uh, you're traveling, altered diet, altered sleep, uh, stresses on, on patients and things like that. So those are the common ones. So cardiac arrest, I think the numbers out there say that less than half a percent of the yeah. emergencies. Uh, certainly bad stuff that we think about. Somebody throwing a PE, somebody throwing a, a clot. Um, you could have a stroke anywhere, those, yeah. those sorts of things. Uh, the deliveries are actually very, very rare because of some of the restrictions on flight. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, and I remember with all three of our pregnancies, we had to cancel some travel plans because yeah. it was after so many weeks pregnant. Isn't it 30 weeks, they say? 30 to 32, I think, is, 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 is what it universally is. Thank you. All right, so after our short break for a glorious breakfast, we're back. Um, Rob, you know, we were talking a little bit about, like, the different things that happen when you're on a plane, the, the complaints you're going to see. What I guess the question is, is that for those physicians who haven't had the luxury, or I guess maybe not the luxury, the... Luxury is not the word. Uh, the chance or the the, frighten, the frightenness of being called up to help with a patient. Drawing the short stroke. The draw, yeah, drawing the short stroke. Yeah, that's that's a word I made up. I'm going to look it up later, because every once in a while I get lucky, and that'll be an actual word. Right. Uh, but I don't think that one's it. Um, 
Drew's I can't even talk. The look at my face must be priceless right now. <laughs> Um, so, w- what's the physicians expect if they're actually walk us, walk us through, walk us through it? Like, so they get called up, they realize that they're the only non-dentist, chiropractor, physical therapist on the plane. Uh, dermatologist. Dermatologist. So it's going to be a couple of things. I mean, obviously a little bit biased towards emergency medicine here, but I, I think in general you're going to be you're going to be one of the people who's more prepared for this. If if prepared is the right word, uh, because you're used to to doing a little bit as far as outside of the box. You're yeah. seeing patients in hallways or uh, vehicles or the back of ambulances or whatever. Or having so, poorly stocked carts or stuff like that. Yeah, so it's a... I guess it's an austere environment in the sense that it's uh, it's different, it's out of your norm, there's less resources. Uh, so typically, my experience is probably like a lot of your others. You're going to walk up, you're going to you're going to introduce yourself. You're going to let uh, whatever crowds gathered know you're a you're an ER doc, and pretty quick, a bunch of people are going to disappear, and it's going to be you and the patient, <laughs> inevitably. Um, and that's pretty basic. So usually, you know, your your kind of history, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as what resources you have, there's some mandates about what's supposed to be on an airplane. Uh, there's going to be some oxygen. There's going to be an AED. There's a medical kit yeah. that has a few things in it. When you look at what's required to be in the kit, uh, you get a, a sense real quick of, of what they were anticipating. So there's there's aspirin. There's um, oral Benadryl. There's IV Benadryl. Uh, there's a couple of doses of Epi. Yeah. There's a dose of lidocaine. And they can go beyond this. And, and there are, we can talk about the industry that's popped up around this and kits there can be more than what's required but that's that's typically it there may be a, a 500 cc bag of fluid there's not a whole lot in the kit there's a yeah. blood pressure cuff yeah uh you're there's not a glucometer um you know your aed may or may not be one that can show you a rhythm uh, so that's going to be interesting for a lot of us if it shows a rhythm that's kind of a little bit more helpful yeah a little more helpful so that, that's kind of what you're dealing with so who else is there that can like is going to be involved in this whole scenario? Because I know you, it's going to be you and the patient, but there's going to be other people that are involved in what happens with. You know, it's not going to be you making the final decision on most things. I would just in the terms of landing the plane and that kind of stuff, right? True. I mean, obviously, hopefully, there's some family there that can give you a little bit of background. You know, has this happened before in flights? What's their sort of underlying issues leading to uh, today? Um, the ultimate decision to, to divert an aircraft is always the pilot. So for us in, in medicine, one thing to remember is that the, the pilot's always in command. You're, you're a consultant uh, at this point. You can offer some recommendations. And you're not in, totally on an island in the sense that most of the airlines have some sort of ground control. Like a dock in a box, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a... There's a company who does a lot of the airlines. Some of the bigger airlines have in-house. And so there's that opportunity to talk to a physician on the ground, which I, I wouldn't discount. So simple sort of things, you know, does it need stitches, does it not need stitches, here's an aspirin, here's a Tylenol. You're not necessarily going to feel you need to consult. But when you start talking about diverting an aircraft, it's probably reasonable to have that conversation with someone else. Just for those things that, that maybe you didn't think of at yeah. that point in time. Um, and diversion, we can talk a little bit about that here in a second. The uh, 
And, and certainly if it got into pronouncing or something like that, involving the ground is probably a good thing just for that second opinion yeah. kind of stuff. Well, and I think it's interesting to think that your flight attendants are actually a pretty decent resource. They actually get some, I mean, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, not exorbitant, they're not like a nurse or an EMT, but they actually get enough training on how to handle some of this stuff to where they might have actually tried a few things yeah, before they, they ask for some a Some first aid training. Uh, they'll be pretty knowledgeable about what's in the kit. And, and we talk about the minimization of the kit, but there may be multiple kits on board because they have to have so many kits for, for 0 to 50, 50 to 150, and things like that. Yeah. So your typical 737, you may have two kits on board. So you can, if you're getting into these repeated doses and stuff, you may bust open two kits and work that way as well. I'm assuming international flights then probably have some more robust things involved, especially if you're on a long flight that you might be halfway over the ocean. Either way you go. Either way, you're going to go a long ways before you get to any sort of. Listen, Iceland is always closer than you think when you're flying to Europe. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's now, probably. I wish we had, is Iceland the green one or is Greenland the ice one? I'm... So, Iceland is greener than Greenland, but they couldn't use Greenland because their name was already taken. Oh, so they picked Iceland. Okay, all right. History bomb from Drew Kano. It's that, it's that undergrad degree coming through. Yeah, so internationally you may have, so they may go above and beyond minimum requirements in the kit. Uh, more kits because bigger kits. airplane. Yeah. Uh, interesting though, when you start talking about flying internationally, your duty to respond. Isn't there? Well, it may be different. So, for example, in Australia, there's an expected duty to respond. So, then you get into this. Well, who's the? What is the flight originate? What's the country of origin of the airline? Those kind of things. So, that can get a little bit interesting. Is your specialty or profession recognized in that country? I wonder if that plays a part. So maybe DOs in some parts of Canada in, in most can't of, respond. In most of the world, I'm actually not a doctor. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. It should be very interesting internationally. Yeah. Very interesting. Note to self. Badness if you're flying across the pond. What uh, what are the docs that are doing the like medical control for the airlines? What are those like? Are they ER docs? Are they family docs? Are they? There's, as far as I know, there's no real requirement. Most commonly, it's it's emergency medicine. One of the biggest groups out of Arizona that does this for multiple airlines uh, is a group of ER docs. It's, huh. it's part of their practice. So yeah, so there's that commonality, that common language when you yeah. when you talk to people on the ground. Is there anything that you carry on you when you travel that is not in a kit that you find useful? So I, I actually haven't run into a true medical emergency on an airplane, knock on wood, and, and I do a decent amount of flying. Um, but I've heard a lot from you know, Andy or some of the other guys that Zofran tends to be the, the one thing that they might have you know, with them just because they're, they're traveling with it for other reasons and people are really nauseated and that's not something stock in the box or anything with all the traveling you do that you keep with you because yeah, you're so not like, this is what I want. That's an interesting thought. No, there's nothing that I can, carry. So what about that though? So now you so have... Right, can I, can I even give you the medication? Can you give somebody medication that you have, have prescribed to you or your wife or whatever? Well, that's I mean, I probably prescribed it to myself. I mean, so I feel like I can, can re-prescribe it to anyone I want. If the Ohio State Medical Board is listening, that was Drew Cow now. <laughs> I would say, you know, the, the big question is going to be the authenticity of the medicine. So if it's your medicine, you're probably more comfortable with that. Uh, if a passenger's offering, you know, a pain tablet or something like that, there's going to be that concern of sure. what's the authenticity. What are they actually Especially when it comes out of a vial with five other pills of the same. <laughs> but that brings up another point, which is using your passenger, your fellow passengers as resources, right? right. So, uh, I got to tell you, in the, in the emergencies I've done, uh, I'm probably most happy when somebody else comes up and there's a paramedic, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, if I need a line or, you know, this is going to yeah. be our plan kind of a thing. 
Um, glucometers. So glucometers not in the kit. Those are not hard to find. Finding on a diabetic on the yeah. airplane. Uh, probably easy. Really, really good point. And I would have no qualms about using that. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, hopefully it's not a previously used Lancet or something like that where you're getting to those issues. But typically that's, that's not a problem. No. So you're using something like that. Fracture dislocation, you know, I don't know that I would be above asking if there was some pain medicine on board and, and doing a little something for, for somebody. So, yeah. I mean, I always travel with, because I have my, because of my allergies, so I always travel with an EpiPen, and I almost always travel with some Pepsid, Benadryl, and then I always have Nodge medicine. Like, those are just four things that are in my bag. Part of that's mostly because those are things I can actually get past TSA without them being taken. And I think that's um, your biggest limit is most of the things you would find useful are going to get through security. Yeah. Yeah. So that 12 gauge needle when I'm on uh, on a helicopter that I keep in my flight suit isn't isn't going to make it past security. Going to make it. Those trauma shears probably aren't going to make it. Yeah. Uh, they're, blunt, they're blunt tip though. Yeah. Yeah. Those are going to get mailed to you one day. Oh, oh, I, I, know, I know. So. What uh, we were getting into the kind of the legal duty to respond type of thing you were talking about a, a little bit. So in the U.S., where are we at with this? So legally, not a duty to respond. Uh, I think most often what you're going to get into is the what's the ethical duty. Uh, a couple of professional organizations have sort of weighed in and said, you know, we do think there's an ethical duty. But there's going to be an ethical sense of disqualifying yourself as well. Um, you know, uh, you have How many of those drink tokens airplane. have you cashed exactly. in on the Southwest? So, and that's a tough, that could be a really tough decision for somebody to make. What's, if there's no one else available, what's my, my ethical duty? And I don't know why you guys like to fly with me on planes. Yeah. Exactly. Where there's always somebody that hasn't been drinking. <laughs> When you look at the numbers, they say that about 50% of the times there's an emergency and they ask there's a physician on board. So about 50% of the time there's not even a physician on board. Yeah. There may be other health care providers. So, so that's interesting as well. Um, so it is reasonable to expect you might be the only doc on board. Yeah. Then again, you, there might be five or ten of you and, and things are a little bit easier. So I think that ethical is probably the more interesting side of it. From a purely hardline legal, most people are going to say that there's not a legal duty to respond. And when you do decide to respond, what kind of protection do you have for this? I mean, there's the Good Samaritan Law uh, in the U.S., and that's it, kind of a, has been a gray area in the past. I think there's been some clarification recently on it, whether physicians are covered by Good Samaritans because we're really Good Samaritans or not. So there is a, a version of what you would call a Good Samaritan for the airlines. Um, same sort of kind of stuff that, you know, uh, you're not covered to be grossly negligent or just flat out... Uh, outside of the realm of even common sense or anything yeah. like that. They don't um, cover stupid. Right. But but also recognizes that you're limited by the environment, you're limited by what's on board, um, and it specifically talks about the fact that, uh, that the pilot's in command and those decisions to divert are ultimately uh, an airline decision and not a, a medical decision. So you are covered from that standpoint. I think it's kind of a general. If, if you do decide to help somebody out on a plane and you do the best you can do the right thing most of the time that's not going to come to a legal issue that being said yeah so most of the time not there was a 
few years back, there was a New England Journal uh, article, and one of the things they commented on was, to the best of their knowledge, no one had ever been sued. Uh, and then a subsequent letter to the editor where a guy basically said he was on an international flight, asthma attack that, that degraded to, uh, to a cardiac arrest. And uh, he was tied up in the system for a little bit, um, probably mostly given depositions and, and things like that. So, I mean, it's not, there's no guarantee somebody somewhere is not going to say something. But, yeah, you know, ultimately... Uh, I want to say, at least in the U.S., I know that for the Good Samaritan Law, no one's ever been successfully sued with uh, using that Good Samaritan Law. Like, so far, it's never come back to you actually make some big difference. Yeah, I would, I would say of all of your decisions to respond while you're sitting there, that shouldn't be the one. It shouldn't be the first one that goes in your brain. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to be your biggest... Uh, well, I, I'd like to think that anyone in emergency medicine is going to hop up and, and do the right thing, but the reality is we have a, a world where litigation and legal consequences are quick to pop into some people's minds, and I think knowing that there's some protection out there and, and that if you do the right thing, that the chances of something legally happening to you are really small is worth having the back of your head, too, so you can get rid of that thought if it does come in. Absolutely. So then the other question that always comes up with this is uh, if the airline offers you something, do you take it? So they say, hey, thanks, Drew. Um, here's, a, here's a free sandwich. We want to move you up to first class. Do you take it? No. I don't know. First class is pretty nice. <laughs> well, I think there's there's some debate out there whether first class is actually being given anything versus just a relocation, but taking a bottle of wine or a sandwich or something. Or a ticket voucher. Or airline miles. Again, you know, the, the usual disclaimer, consult your local attorney. Most would say that those sort of provisions are that you rendered care without the expectation. Uh, but if someone That's on the back side yeah. renumerates you or just says, hey, thanks, uh, is that... You know, you rendered the care without the expectation, and, and if it does, yeah. If you go up there saying, "I'm only going to treat this patient if I get 5,000 airline miles," yeah, you're. Eh, it might be a little. You're sketchy. walking a pretty thin line there. <laughs> well, Tyler, you're kind of like a miles hog, so I don't know who Tyler is. So. Oh, sorry, Tanner. Jeez, uh, holy cow! Wow. You can tell I'm tired. I'm only I'm running on less than the average four hours of sleep. So he's been drinking tonight. <laughs> so and it has happened to me, uh, you know, that without an expectation. So a month later, something shows up in the mail, and hey, here's a voucher. Sure. Those kind of things. And so I think that's totally reasonable at that point. I mean, you didn't ask for it. It just plopped into your lap. Agreed. I'd take it. I'm not and there say, may I'm occasionally be back. forms to fill out. So some of the airlines will hand you something to write down. A lot of times they'll ask for a name or something like that. So usually I just hand them a business card or something like that. Uh, and I think that's how the one uh, the one thing showed up in the mail. That they pulled the name, realized it was a frequent flyer, and sent me something. Sweet. I think it's a pretty good cover of in-flight emergencies. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We're going to some new topics uh, for EMS and uh, emergency outside of the hospital to talk about with, uh, with Rob Lowe. So thanks for joining, and we'll catch you on the next episode. All right. Thank you.